0: 2. The Innocent Guilty It felt like I was a celebrity. They woke me roughly, marching me from my cell. It was like waking up in a different world. The other prisoners roared and gestured in my direction, arms threaded through the iron bars, reaching for me like Roman gladiators, hoping for a chance to rip me apart. My mind was pulverized by confusion. It seemed the world, this world, was revolving around me wordlessly the guards took me to the showers. I was able to take a long, hot shower. Alone. I enjoyed the two minutes of hot water without worrying about getting shanked or someone getting in the quarterback position if I dropped the soap. After my shower, I dressed in a fresh orange jumpsuit and was escorted out of the population area and out of the main building into a smaller administrative building. In here, there was air conditioning and clean air. I inhaled deeply, and it felt good to smell something other than piss, aggression, and survival. What's going on? What did I do? I asked the guard at my side. He punched me in the kidney in response. I dropped to the ground and they jerked me back onto my feet and we continued walking. Whatever they have discovered or manufactured, it's bad. Very bad. Instinctively, I kept my mouth shut for the rest of the journey but I held my head up higher than the President of the United States because that's what it took to hide my fear. We stopped long enough for the guards to shackle my legs and wrap a chain around my waist, which hugged me so tight I couldn't fully expand my diaphragm. My wrists were handcuffed. When I moved, I clinked. Who do these people think I am, I wondered. They sat me in a waiting room and left me. I was alone for an hour, just me and the cameras overhead watching my every move. A chuckle bubbled deep in my throat, not with humor, but despair. Laughter was my defense mechanism. My nose itched. My nose always itched when I sensed trouble. At the time, I just didn't know how big the trouble would be. Two different men returned to the waiting room. One of them carried a manila folder. He tossed it casually on the table. Glossy photos of a teenage girl on an autopsy table fanned out before me. Even in death, she hadn't been robbed of her prettiness there was a red ring around her neck. The hair had been shaved off one side of her head, revealing a wound that had been cleaned. I tensed. Big trouble. I looked away, feeling nauseous. What is going on here? I shifted in my seat. You tell us, Ike. Tell you what? Why'd you do it? I'm speechless for a moment, the full weight of the accusation resting on my shoulders like Atlas's globe. I'm innocent, I say but I am guilty of so much that I sound insincere even to my own ears. The two men exchange smiles. They leave again, but the photos remain. I am blind to them. I refuse to look. I prefer not to look at the hangman's noose before it is wrapped around my neck. Another hour. I was a frog in slow-boiling water. When they returned, I wanted to speak, but apparently the opportunity had passed. I was ushered out of the waiting room and into a smaller room where they were. A grim faced man dressed in all black, suit, shirt, tie, all black, looking like the Grim Reaper, heavy on the grim. His wife, a pretty woman with sad, red rimmed eyes, and a girl, who was a mixture of the plain faced father and the pretty dead girl. She looked mature beyond her years but still had the glow of youth. She didn't look like she belonged to their tribe, the tribe of the lost the walking dead. She still wanted to live. She was a square peg being jammed into their round, bottomless hole of sorrow. My eyes meet the father's, and his gaze is so intense I look away. I look down seconds before he erupts. I think back to the images of the dead girl spoiling on the autopsy table, and I can't blame him. I would want to rip apart the man who did that to my daughter. I understand, but I am not that man. The folder was gone. I hadn't noticed anyone pick it up. I swallow hard. The lady, the mother I presume, although she looks years younger than her husband, and is out of his league aesthetically, is looking down at the floor through the black netting of her veil. Without warning, she runs out of the room, sending the door banging against the doorstop. The father apologizes to no one in particular, and softly closes the door. The girl is looking at me with curiosity in her eyes. No hatred, No fear. I could have been a monkey in a cage at the zoo for the way she was looking. One of the plain-clothed men who had escorted me into the room turns, and I see he has the damned folder. I lean away as if the poor girl's fate is contagious. He opens the folder. I can feel the father's rage settling on me like a hot blanket. My mind is racing. I cannot understand why they are connecting me to this dead girl. I didn't hide. I didn't have time to dwell on it. The tiny woman with the bun had been quiet before now, but she came forward holding a small box. She wore a small smile on her barely existent lips. I instinctively frowned. What is going on here? I asked, swallowing my fear. I expected a barrage of punches, but I didn't care. I wanted to know what situation I found myself in. You are being arrested for the murder of Sarah Graham, the woman said, setting the box on the table. I did not kill anyone. I say. I am a thief. I don't kill people. She looks at me and gives me a brief smile. This is insane, I say. And it is insane. I am a lover, a con artist, a thief, not a killer. I meet women online, romance them and fleece them. That's it. I don't kill people. I love life way too much to take one. When is my trial? She hits me with that same enigmatic smile. Oh, there's not going to be a trial. She giggled. Your fate has already been decided. I didn't like the sound of that. I looked around at the faces in the room. I have no friends here. I didn't kill anyone, I say weakly. It doesn't matter. The words fall on deaf ears. The woman carefully opens the box as if a rare jewel was inside. I am gripped by dread as she reaches inside the box and pulls it out. I didn't know what it was, at first. A tiara? No. It was a collar. What the fuck is going on? I tried to stand, but my restraints are great at their job. A uniformed guard walks into the room and stations himself behind me. I am on the brink of hyperventilation. They have judged me guilty of a murder without a trial, and now she has pulled out a collar. She hands one of the plain clothed guys the collar, and he approaches me. The newly arrived uniformed guard seizes me in place from behind with his hands on my shoulders. I wouldn't move if I were you, the woman says. The stainless steel collar is glistening as it gets closer and closer to me. There is an intermittent, low-frequency hum in between the crackle of an electric charge. His meaty finger pressed a button, and the collar unlocked and opened like a small neck brace. He put the collar around my neck and secured it. He pressed the button again, and it began adjusting, constricting to the point of strangling me. I gasp and buck until it begins to incrementally loosen until, like Goldilocks, it was just right. The collar fits snugly, resting between my collarbone and Adam's apple in height. It is the opposite of ornate, minimalist, just a gleaming ring of steel from the outside. On the inside, where it touches my skin, I can feel the pulsation of the electric current. A light seems to glow in the father's eyes, a faint smile twitching on his lips we've downloaded the app to control the collar to your phone. The woman with the bun tells the father, coming around to stand next to him. If you want to relax him, you press this blue button here and release a cocktail of benzodiazepines into his system. If you want to reward him, you press the yellow button and it will release serotonin. I don't think we will have a need for that, the father mutters. The woman's smile deepens, etching dimples into her cheeks. I understand. Now, for the good part. The red button. She dramatically lifts her finger. I don't see her press the button. I don't see anything. My body seizes up. The long muscles contract, and I can't move anything. An indescribable allegro of pain hitches a ride on every nerve ending in my body, roller coastering throughout me. Then, imagine if you will, a swarm of wasps stinging you while they do the Macarena. I piss myself. I ride off unconscious with the father and Bunlady's laughter as the outro. This is how my new life began.